Hi guys. Hi my friends. My name is Eric Engineer and I'm a TNTP, which is the New Teacher Project candidate for New Orleans. The goal of this podcast is to help new teachers by broadening their horizons and helping them throughout the process. Today, I'd just like to talk about a couple things that I've been learning about. So one of them are pre-assessment, formative assessments, and summative assessments, and the differentiation between how scaffolding versus uh, differentiation is used in education. So just uh, pre-assessments are often what we give kids ahead of time to see what they know, what they don't know, and what they want to see you do with those is to give maybe students who already know a lot more challenging material, whereas students who are behind, you give them reasonable material. Now, that can be controversial about always giving people just low-level reading material. One of the big pushes of the TNTP project is to create authentic relationships with people so that you can um, be better off giving them maybe material that's a little bit above their grade level, which pushes them to expand their mind a little bit. And this will help their educational development in the long run. Now, with regard to formative assessments, those are traditional quizzes that we give or just questions we ask during a lecture. and the quizzes are similar to uh, they could be just a, a couple uh, check your understanding type questions. Uh, they're not a long question lists. Those tend to be summative assessments that, where you could think of formative assessments as quizzes and summative assessments as tests. Those are a little bit longer to check uh, retention. Those are the state tests our students have to take at the end of the year. It's a good time to have a discussion also on data when mentioning state test. First of all, um, there's different views on this, but I just want to broaden your horizons and kind of talk to you about the different views. Some teachers really feel it's very important to be driven by the data and you know use that as your guide. But um, some teachers also feel like, you know, you should be uh, driven by love and a passion of teaching and then just be driven by love and informed by data. So always saying you're data-driven, data-driven may come off wrong on certain people. So just be cognizant of that and keep that in the back of your head. Okay. Um, with regard to scaffolding and differentiation, uh, scaffolding is how you help out a student so that they never, uh, so that they're eventually able to function on their own. Um, think of scaffolding around a building. Um, before that building or that student is able to stand up on their own, it requires a lot of scaffolding around it where things are put into it. Um, differentiation is more uh, about kind of uh, deferring between two things. Like, for example, you would give a little bit tougher assignment to certain kids and a 
less tough assignment to some kids. Um, I'd like to talk about KWL charts. I think they're really cool charts because what they do is they're part of pre-assessment and uh, they, uh, in one column, it's what I know. In the other column, it's what I want to know. And in the final column, it's what I learned. By doing this, similar to SQ3R, you, it's a little bit simpler and it um, helps students learn. Uh, and then to kind of go on this theme of data in this podcast, what determines the data and what does the data determine? So there's never been more data in this world and many people are starting to feel that there's just a lot of junk data. Um, uh, back in the old days before computers, data may have been more meaningful because it was obtained by hand. And now when we have computers just grabbing all this data and making conclusions about it, maybe it had nothing to do with the effectiveness of the teacher, but maybe they were in a food desert where the children not have access to proper fruits and vegetables and omega-3 fatty acids for brain development. So, you know, the important thing is to not get down on yourself, even when students aren't achieving at the level you'd like. Look for root co underlying causes and be willing to address those. I talked about authentic relationships and how important that is to, for, to create with students. Um, I think that that is if you're able to add to your relationship accounts with students, uh, it is really helpful. And the, one of the books I suggest that it's actually, you're less likely to add to your relationship account with students that cause problems in the classroom but uh, there's actually a really good book. It's called The Explosive Child, A New Approach for Understanding and Parenting Easily Frustrated, Chronically Inflexible Children. It's by Ross Green. And being able to uh, just look through that book and uh, uh, take some of its key points will help you in the long term as a teacher. And um, classroom management is very difficult. Um, it helps to have an entry plan where when students enter your room, they have something that might be a little bit different from what they do in other classrooms that establishes appropriate for your subject matter that can help them learn. Um, tape on the floor is not just good for social distancing. It's also good for doing different activities with students. One of the things that's important with students in doing activities is to make sure that you involve their parents and relationship building. I'd like to take some time here to many children uh, sometimes don't have parents and they have to rely on grandparents. And what can you do to make sure that the grandparents, you augment their memory and their cognitive skills? Uh, surprisingly, uh, low-dose lithium uh, does show some benefit, and also uh, vitamin E, especially uh, when obtained through natural sources like pecans and other things, can really help.
it's always important to try to volunteer and to try to make transitions on children as easy as possible. One of the big quagmires and kind of questions in education is why do so few people drop out of high out of middle school compared to high school? And some of that does have to do with the personalities of people who teach there and the difficulty of the subject matter. Um, and it definitely doesn't have to do with, you know, how difficult home circumstances are and things like that, because those tend to kind of be similar in both schools. So maybe by making high school a little bit more like middle school, we can improve educational outcomes for students who might otherwise drop out of school. Finally, um, I'd like to talk about, you know, why it might be a good idea to keep chatty kids in one group. There's different data on this, but some, you know, always pairing low and high performers often helps because the best way to learn is to teach and it helps build empathy and that can help but also try to be able to see the other side of the argument that you want to put high performers together because it builds innovation and they can uh, achieve new levels of high performance. Um, the sad thing with COVID is that there's not enough field trips occurring. So you can look for different ways to create a field trip or create a thought experiment. Okay. And uh, finally, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, career planning for students. You know, the goal for all our students is to make sure that they become doctors, lawyers, engineers. But uh, oftentimes that's not always possible. And you have to also think that putting a very high achieving student um, you know, in, let's say, a doctor role, um, they could get all the way to surgeon and become very bored and do something that whereas a student that's struggling a little bit and barely makes it to surgeon actually becomes a better surgeon because they don't get as easily bored and they pay more attention to that task and uh, kind of learn to love the lifestyle of that profession. So one of the problems with career counseling and uh, testing is that, for example, uh, you can get a person with a very high IQ who uh, has some other problems and they're not able to actualize that IQ in a way that is productive for society, whereas a person with a lower IQ uh, just keeps on working and eventually they're able to be much more productive. So it's really important to always encourage students to never quit and to always pursue their dreams. However, I'd like to offer a caveat on this. And there's uh, from the book Freakonomics and there are two different authors to this book. And one of these authors really would like to talk about the benefits of quitting. They say that sometimes we push our children too much and we never teach them when to quit, when to, uh, you know, do that kind of a thing. And 
he pushes away from people away from getting a PhD because he feels like there's too many PhDs and there's so many other professions out there that need good people that don't get them. And the maybe people who aren't the right type of fit for that research lifestyle, that's almost like being a monk uh, through much of their career, uh, go into getting a PhD. It's very important as a teacher to, even though you pass the test to become a teacher, to have an attitude that you never stop learning and you never stop growing. You always try to get stories of what happened to your students, uh, even long after they've completed their education with you to improve your pedagogy and how you teach students. Um, the other thing I'd like to discuss is dealing with disabled students. Uh, so a lot of times disabled students get a bad rap, like they can never contribute to society. Uh, especially you'll probably, you may even encounter one or two students with common syndromes like Down syndrome or something like that. It's important to know that there are different programs for these people. For example, there was one case of a Down syndrome individual who was able to, you know, be productive helping out at a fire department. And as we go through justice reform and criminal justice reform, especially, I hope to see more people with Down syndrome being able to function as a police officer or something like that, you know, in their own capacity, because the more diversity we have in those areas, the better. Um, finally, uh, I'd like to talk about lifestyle vaccinations, diseases like Alzheimer's and things like that, uh, can be prevented through healthy lifestyle. And it's important to get kids, not just concerned about getting to a good college and getting a high paying job, but rather nurturing their mind, body, soul in such a way that they don't stress themselves out and that they're able to live a life where they contribute to in a productive way to society. Um, the way uh, it's very important to emphasize with kids from a young age that to develop routines and scheduling because students who tend to, you know, go to sleep at a healthy time and wake up at a healthy time or just it's simply better for them hormonally as they're going through hormonal surges due to puberty. Okay. Again, the, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope this helps you as Teach for America candidates, TNTP candidates, or if you're just a teacher in general or just a individual that just wants to improve their life. I hope this gave you some ideas and thoughts that can move you towards a better life. God bless you. And I hope this helped. Have a good day.